Welcome to the Lost Boys to Found Fathers podcast. I'm Gabriel O'Sullivan, and joining me is my co-host, Will Haycox. We are men who have suffered the loss of a child, and through this production, we desire to offer encouragement, strength, and hope to our fellow brothers who have traveled the same journey. Welcome, everyone, and welcome, Will. Amen. Thanks for that intro. Uh, yeah, guys, we just been going through this series, multi-part series here on God, on his will, on the ultimate question in this part is, why would God allow my child to die? And we talked about several times, like that's a, a tough subject. That's not something that we profess to know the answer to and that you listen to this podcast. And after you complete these four steps or these four episodes or whatever it is, now you're good and you, you can go on and you don't have to grieve anymore. Like we're, we're guys going through this and we just want to try to share some of the wisdom that the Lord has given to us through our experiences and we hope and pray that it helps you draw closer to him through your grief. So last time we left off talking in episode nine about God's goodness, his love toward us, like just evidence from the Bible as to why God is good and how we can know and have confidence that he is a good God. We talked about how he's reached out to humanity over and over again, how he led the Israelites and continue to reach out to them even though they over and over again disobeyed him and turned to other gods and he tells them to do something one day, and they're like, okay, great, we love you, God. And the next day they turn around, and they do this, the opposite, and they're complaining. And we just don't have any place, any room in our lives to ask more from God when you view what he's done through the context of the Bible. And you see that he's consistently demonstrated his love, his goodness, and his forgiveness throughout all of human history, even to the point of sending his son to die for us even though we were sinners and we didn't deserve any of his goodness or love or forgiveness. And in that strain, I just wanted to read Romans 5, 6 through 8. It says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, again... God did everything. There's nothing that, that we have to do to add to our salvation, and there's nothing more we can ask of him because he saw our unfaithfulness and he saw our stubbornness and our disobedience. And instead of punishing us or turning away from us, he chose to continue pursuing us and continue loving us. So do you have anything to add to that, Gabe, before we move forward? Man, I just love that verse, again, because it just reminds us that of God's goodness. You know, sometimes it's easy for us or for people in general to be like, oh, God's up there just looking for ways to smite us or like he's, you know, he's not good because of hell, the existence of hell or because he let my kid die or because my, you know, family member got this disease and passed away or because I, my boyfriend, you know, or girlfriend left me or my wife cheated on me or my husband, you know, left me or I lost my job. We, we come up with all these things of how to say, or how to make these reasons for why God is is bad, right? But but when you look at the totality of Scripture and even on our life and think about it, there's a whole lot more evidence that God is good, you know. And I think that that verse right there shows us that uh, to be true because God could have just let us die in our sin, you know. He could have just been like, okay, this human thing didn't work out so well. I'm sending them all to hell and forget about them, you know. We're just gonna obliterate the earth and and all of humanity. 
But it, but instead, it says, no, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even though we were in opposition to God, we had no, you know, no inkling to come to him and to ask for forgiveness and to try to be right or righteous. He said, you know what? I still love you enough to come and take your punishment and, and actually give you a way to me. And I just, I love that. You know, and then again, we just look at the natural things of life too. I mean, the fact that we wake up every day and we can breathe air that helps sustain us the fact that we have you know rain for our for our fields and we have you know food in our bellies i mean all these are things where god's word says you know he says my goodness is for the righteous and the unrighteous and so his goodness is abounding we just have to sometimes get out of our own way and 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 you know choose to to look for the good in life instead of to to be you know unfortunately kind of uh you know bogged down in the in the bad things of life yeah, I mean, like you say, it's just the goodness and the love and the mercy of God is is pretty amazing, and it's it's hard to to fathom and to really think about what it means for us. And I think we should be doing it more. I think uh, it's it's real easy for us to think about the bad things that have happened to us and and just complain and worry and have anxiety and to focus on like the the temporal things that are happening right now and not to focus on the the grand scheme of what God's done for us and how he has conquered death for us and that if we hope in him, we don't have to fear anything else. And I think that's something that you need to be preaching to yourself. I need to preach to myself. I need to, to like David says in Psalm, like you need to say, like, why are you downcast, my soul? Like you need to, to take that time to kind of, assess where you are in your faith and you need to preach the gospel to yourself and so moving forward now we've got the question that we started this episode or this series with what does why does god allow my child to die and how does this goodness of god that we've talked about play into that so first we don't really have a perfect answer we said that at the beginning we are not theology scholars we i don't it's clear that even theology scholars don't have an answer to this question that's perfect and answers everything. I think that's like we talked about some of the hidden will of God is he chooses not to reveal everything to us at the, at this time. And when we get to heaven, maybe we'll understand, maybe we won't. And I would say, I just want to jump in right there and say, even if we did have a perfect answer, it don't make, don't mean the pain's going to go away. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I remember thinking that just like if I had all the answers, I would still hurt. You know, so understand that. Like, we're not offering answers necessarily, um, but we are trying to offer some guidance uh, because sometimes having a little bit of glimmer of, of an answer or a truth, you know, it may not make the pain go away, but it may help us deal with it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's helpful to have that hope, even if you don't have the answer for why things happen. Mm-hmm. So even though we don't have an answer, we do have what Scripture tells us about God's goodness and and how we should respond when we have grief and and hurt and suffering in our life. And James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This doesn't mean that we should be glad that we've lost our children or that we shouldn't grieve. Grief is a good and right thing. Jesus grieves over the death of Lazarus, his friend, even though he knows he's about to raise him. That's the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. And that's the context of that verse is Jesus comes and he sits with Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, 
and he grieves with them. He he takes part in that, and he allows the time for human emotion. He doesn't. He could just walk in and say like, "Why are y'all crying? I'm going to raise him. There's no reason to be sad." It's grief is dumb. Grief is not important. Grief is not something we need to do. I'm going to raise him, and that's the end. And if you took that mindset, you could say, well, Jesus doesn't have time. God doesn't have time or, or bless our grief. He wants us to just have hope and keep our chin up and, you know, not be sad. But since we see that our Savior grieves, I think we can understand from that that it's a right thing to grieve, that grief is what comes when you love someone and you lose them. And I think it's a it's a right thing and a helpful thing to grieve and to allow yourself to go through that process and to understand what it means to lose someone that you love and how you can trust God through that. And I think grief is something that can be very important for your mental health going forward, but also for your spiritual health and taking that time to understand where is God in this grief? And that's that's kind of what Gabe and I have gone through, and that's the hope for this podcast is to, to help us see God through our grief. So even though this doesn't mean that we shouldn't grieve or that we should just get over things quickly, it does mean that we can expect good things to come from the pain of losing our children in the sense that we will be made more like Christ by trusting God through our pain and suffering. It talks about letting us become steadfast in that last verse. And that's something where you're not flippant. You're not blown about by the world. By trusting the Lord in your grief, you see that he's faithful and that he is sure and he's steady. And you can rely on him rather than waking up every morning and just letting your feelings and the grief of that moment dictate who you are that day and how you're going to live and whether you're going to have a day of hope and trust or a day of just sitting in your misery and being not being able to carry on with your life and trusting the Lord allows you to grieve and to dwell on the love that you have for that person but not to dwell on the loss that you had and I think that's a a really important thing to think of the distinction there is we should grieve, but there's a way to grieve and move forward rather than to grieve and be stuck in your grief. I'm with that, man. I think, and I love what you said about being stuck because it should be a process, right? Like that's the thing that we have to realize is that everybody's going to grieve differently, you know, pretty much. Everybody's going to have a different time that it takes for them to work through those uh, stages of grief, you know, that you read about. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are real, you know, and that's okay to give yourself time in that, but it's, but it still ideally should be a process, you know, that we're moving, that we're moving through and that we don't stay stuck in it. You know, mm-hmm. we're not saying that you're not gonna have good days and bad days. We're not saying that, you know, you might have good weeks and bad weeks. Uh, you might be f- going along and everything's good and you think, Hey, I'm really making progress. I'm moving through this grief well and handling it man and then some thing that you see or something might you know might trigger an emotion that really makes you have a setback um and and but then the thing is is like recognizing that feeling it experiencing it you know but then realize okay what do i learn from this and then how do i move forward um 
you know, from that so that we don't necessarily just stay stuck in one pattern. And, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the expert on how to do that. You know, I've, goodness, it's been 16 years and there's still some things that I'm still dealing with, you know, that I'm, uh, you know, trying to, trying to work through, um, and some negative thoughts or emotions that, you know, I'm, again, I'm still not completely well and healed up from, which sounds crazy that it's been that long, you know, but I say that to encourage whoever's listening that, you know, there are different things that will take you longer to get over. There's things that, that won't take you as long to get over and your spouse um, may not be on that same path as you, you know, so be patient with them and be kind and gentle with them and, and understand that they will need to be the same with you. And if they're, if they're not being as gentle or, or understanding, then, you know, have that conversation. Don't just hold bitterness or anger, you know, towards them. Be like, listen, I'm, I'm doing better in this area, but this is where I'm struggling. This is where I need your help with. I've noticed maybe you're doing better than this area, but you're not doing so good in this other area. I'm going to help you through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an important point you talk about there, Gabe. And, and we'll certainly have more pointed podcasts in the future about the spousal relationship after grief. But that's just something that you need to have patience. And, you know, as, as a man, stereotypically, it's certainly not always true, but, you know, maybe we're able to compartmentalize better than our wives and we're able to, like, get over the initial shock, go back to work, you know, get into what was mostly our normal routine. And our wives may not be able to do that. And maybe they are, maybe it's the opposite. And, and you're the one that's not able to move forward as quickly and your wife is, but whatever the situation is, patience and love is what should rule over that situation. You, you don't need to be, if you're the one moving forward faster, it's not helpful if you come to your spouse and you say, hey, get over it, quit crying every day. You know, you gotta do the house chores or you gotta go to work, you know, like we gotta do this. And I feel sad too, but get past it. Like that's not going to be a helpful conversation. I can guarantee you it will not go well. Um, and by the same token, it's not helpful to just come to the spouse that seems to have moved forward faster and to say, do you even care? Like, are you, do you just not care? You don't even remember our child anymore and you just move forward. And like Gabe said, I think there's definitely a helpful way and a right way to have those conversations and to say, hey, this is what I've noticed in you. And can we sit down and talk about it and discuss how we're grieving? And I think that's that's something you should be having those conversations about finances and, and everything about your plans, but specific, specifically about grief, you need to have those conversations. And like I said, we'll have more to say on the, the spouse relationship and grief in the future, but that's just a good point you bring up there, Gabe, so I didn't want to miss it. Let me just throw in one thing. There's a book that I read kind of early on that my aunt uh, actually gave to me, and it was called Good Grief. Mm. Looks like I'm looking up here on Amazon. It was uh, by Granger E. Westberg. It was a really small book, which was helpful because, <laughs> you know, when you're struggling, you don't want to read a, you know, treatsy on, you know, anything like you want it to be kind of small. Um, so, yeah, it was probably just the first one. Looks like maybe he's got some other books out there now, but it was called Good Grief. Um, and it's, this is a companion for every loss, and it was by Granger E. Westberg. So I'll just throw that out there. Cool. So we talked about how we can expect good things to come 
from the pain of losing our children, but also we can know God's sovereignty and how it plays into our grief and our loss and suffering. And you look in Genesis 50, it's the end of Genesis. It tells how Joseph's brothers came to him afraid that he would punish them for all they did to him when they were younger, now that their father had died. And they even possibly make up the story like, our dad told us you need to be kind to us now that he's dead and, and don't punish us for what we did. And there's amb- ambiguity about whether or not that was something that their father actually said. But in response to them, Joseph says in Genesis fifty twenty, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And that's something that really has been helpful to me is that our God is so powerful and so wise that he can take evil things and bring good out of them. And that's something that sounds paradoxical, I guess, to our human brains that that good comes from evil. But our God is powerful enough. He's sovereign over evil. He's sovereign over good things. He's sovereign over everything to the point that nothing can mess up his plan, as we've talked about before. And God even took the most evil thing that's ever happened, which was the death of Christ, the only innocent man, and he used it as a means to reconcile unworthy sinners with himself. The evil of Jesus' death was used to bring ultimate glory to God through Jesus paying for our sins and bringing us to God. That's not, as we talked about before, God is not sitting back, he lays out his plan, and then when one thing doesn't go according to his plan, he's like, oh no, plan B, plan C, plan D, and I gotta keep course correcting and make things stay on track. Like God planned from the very beginning everything that was going to happen from the end, from the beginning of time to the end of time, and all of that was within his plan and worked to accomplish his plan. And he allowed Jesus to go through the pain and the suffering of the scourging at the hands of the Romans and being crucified, the agony that he felt, and even beyond the physical pain, Jesus took on the sin of the whole world and he became sin as an innocent, perfect man so that he could pay for our sins. And that's not something that God just allowed to happen out of his lack of control, but that's something that God planned to happen. It happened and then he used it for good and if God can use the most evil, unfair, unrighteous, horrible, painful thing that's ever happened for good, who are we to say that he can't use the death of our children for good? And certainly we may not know what that good is as clearly as Jesus came, he died on the cross, he was raised, and now we can be raised and we can live with God eternally. But just because we don't see that good that comes does not mean that it's not there. And I think that's something that when you're struggling, when you're you're having those bad days, or even when you're having your, your okay, your good day, but you're still questioning, like, can God really bring good out of this? Is there really a purpose in my child's life as we've talked about in the past few episodes? Yes, like there's there's no reason to be concerned about that. There's no reason. There's not even really room in the Bible to question that. Like God is sovereign. God t- takes evil and he turns it for good and you can have faith in that. And on the days that that doesn't make sense to you, 
choose to have faith, choose to trust him and read the Bible and try to continue building that relationship between you and the Lord. Man, well, I think that's a great wrap up to this, to this, to this series. Mm. I really do. I mean, mm. because you right there just kind of laid out the answer to that question, which was, why does my does God allow my child to die? Why did God allow my child to die? And the answer is, it's ultimately for His glory, but it's also for our good. Mm-hmm. We may not see it right now, but one day we will see it. Mm-hmm. And we know that it was for the good of our child because our child is now with Him mm-hmm. forever, experiencing His goodness, His grace, His mercy, His pleasure, His rest eternally. And, and that's the answer right there. And, you know, lastly, you know, we'll, we're going to recap this one verse, and then I think that, again, that puts a bow on this series here, which is, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So remember, why did God allow your child to die? Ultimately, it was for His glory, but it was also for your good. It was for the good of your spouse. It was for the good of your child. And you may not be able to see that now because the pain's so serious and so hard and so difficult. But the Scripture is clear that God has good things in store for us, even through tragedy, even through difficulties. So if you haven't listened to episodes 6, 7, 8, and 9, you know, make sure you go back and listen to those, maybe even 5, I can't remember when we started this. You can, yeah, okay, maybe 6, alright, and, and read through those. Um, I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you follow Lost Boys and Found Fathers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check out uh, my books website, Gabe, I was speaking here, thywillbedonebook.com. Uh, let's remember, we don't want to be lost. We want to be found in Him.